Before we start the show, it's time for you to go to freewgt.com and download the world's greatest golf app. It's World Golf Tour. And I just want to be clear on this. Even if you didn't get in on the very first week, you still have a chance at the grand prize. All that's happening is every time you play, every time you submit us a screenshot of how close you got to the hole, you're getting a raffle ticket. And each time you play, you take a raffle ticket and you put it in the bowl. So if you haven't started, you still have a chance. It's all luck at the end anyway. So take your chance. Go to freewgt.com. And we have a new hole this week. We're going to the birthplace of golf, St. Andrews. Mm. Go into the closest of the hole challenge at St. Andrews. If you need any help, tweet at us and we'll, we'll give you an instructional guide on how to get there. But you should be able to find it. Hole number one. I like the whole ones because they're easy to get to, and, and it's less of a time commitment for you. So going to hole number one, St. Andrews, closest to the whole challenge. It's windy out there, so uh, bring your A game. It's windy and flat and fun, so freewgt.com. Download the game. Play with us. It's not too late. Get in on, on this week's action. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be so hard to get close. And then also... You get a, a ticket into the grand prize. Exactly. And maybe Mace can give me a little bit of a challenge this week because Zach isn't doing his part. <laughs> I got to get signed up for it first. I've neglected that. Come I got to get on. in Freewgt.com. Don't be a Mace. Don't be a Mace. <laughs> Go to freewgt.com. All right. Let's jump into the show. Broncos country is sitting in the south stands drinking the cook. Welcome in to the BSN Broncos podcast presented by Strava Craft Coffee. And I'm sure a lot of you, especially our friends out there in the UK, are crushing some Strava Craft Coffee tonight or today or wherever it is because you uh, had to stay up until probably about from 3.30 a.m. to 7-ish. You're starting your morning at 3.30. Yeah, you were starting your day. probably had some Strava Craft Coffee then, some Strava Craft Coffee now. And you're probably going to go through a whole bag of Strava Craft Coffee as you try to catch up for the week. And really, it was all for nothing. You should have slept. But <laughs> we appreciate you for uh, sticking around with us, interacting with us on Twitter all night. It was really great. And, and if you, when you run out of your Strava Craft Coffee that you've been crushing all week, go to their website and use the promo code BSN2019. That's BSN2019. And you'll get 20% off your order as you restock. All right. Well, Zach and I had a late night venting session last night after midnight as Mace was slamming keys in the press box in <laughs> Oakland. So, Mace, I want to start by just giving you the floor. Okay. Where do I begin? <laughs> um, At the beginning. Let's, yeah, let's start there. and Let's start with Isaac Yadam. Look, Derek Carr is not a dumb quarterback, and the one thing that he can do well, well, there are two things. Number one, he can get the ball out quickly. Number two, he will exploit what he believes to be a mismatch. He'll audible to set up 
a one-on-one with said mismatch. We saw this two years ago when the Broncos went out to Oakland on that rainy weekend toward the end of the season. Paxton Lynch started. Paxton Lynch cried. But the relevant thing here is Aqib Tlaib gets tossed for the chain-yanking incident with mm. Michael Crabtree, and Brendan Langley has to go out there. And what does Derek Carr do when he sees Langley? He throws right at him. Clinches the game by throwing at Brendan Langley. And it felt that way again when he saw Isaac Yadam out there. One mismatch after another. And then you go to the, the play that he had to Tyrell Williams when the Broncos brought not brought ten guys, nine guys in the box, or ten guys in the box, pardon me, and left Yadam on island. Yadam isn't ready to be left on an island. Derek Carr knows this. He exploited it. So... That was where things started to go wrong. Broncos get the ball back on, or get the ball on their first series after falling behind 7-0. And something that we saw off and on Monday night, Rich Gangarello in his debut as play caller getting too cute. I hated the tight end end around out of the three tight end set. Hated it, hated it, hated it. Wasn't the time for that. Just like it later on in the third quarter, it wasn't the time when you were driving and had momentum and had the Raiders on their heels for the swinging gate play where you had Elijah Wilkinson and Garrett Bowles and Noah Fant split out with Royce Freeman and you lateraled it to him and of course it went nowhere. The gate swung right into him. The gate, yeah, the gate <laughs> swung back into, into his face, basically. So we saw that in practice. It's one of those things, oh, it works fine in practice just because it works in practice doesn't mean it's going to work at full speed. There's a big difference. I think Rich Gangrello is going to learn from that, but it was a bit of a ragged debut for him as an offensive coordinator. Wasn't much to say about game management. It was a big issue with Vance Joseph last year. There was that moment late in the first half, two minutes to under two minutes to go, where they let 12 seconds elapse off the clock before calling a timeout. They've got to be more on point with that because another 12 seconds, uh, maybe you could have, maybe you would have had the flexibility on that third and 20 you were trying to get out of to take, to take a little dump off over the middle and gain eight or 10 yards and then kick the field goal as the half ran out. They just, so some bulkiness there, nothing quite like, say, the Texans game last year or the Browns game last year in terms of game mismanagement, but, but it's something that they've got to improve. The energy mm, wasn't where you wanted it to be. No. And it was magnified by being in Oakland where the Raiders – they played like they were shot out of a cannon. And actually, it reminded me of the Christmas Eve game last year. The Raiders were out of it, but it was thought to be their last game in Oakland. Crowd brought a lot of fire. The players responded to it. Monday night, it was energy for a different reason. But the Broncos out there week one, first game with a new coach, new schemes, new belief, all that. I was disappointed at how flat they seemed at times. I wrote about, you know, that's the number one thing that jumped out to me when I wrote about this. And it reminded me so much of something we saw. And it, it kind of goes in line with what Zach wrote, which is we saw all these issues kind of coming up in the preseason. But we saw the Broncos go up against the 49ers in joint practices. And on the first day, they came out like it was just a regular old practice. And the 49ers came out like they were about to go take their lunch money. And what they do? They hung them upside down and they shook them until every last coin fell out of their pockets. But then they corrected it the next day. Right. So what you're hoping is you come back home on Sunday against the Bears, 
and you correct it. I don't think what, we'll see that lack of fire what I'm, next week. What I was hoping is that they learned from that and realized that they didn't need to go into mm. – that they needed to show some energy when they walked in because guess what? You don't get to play back-to-back games. This isn't baseball. You get one shot in the regular season. You don't get to come back out the next day and, and reset everything. They should have learned in that first practice, okay, we get this we, – you know, being calm and cool and collected is great. At some point, you got to bring some fire. Yeah, and it just – it wasn't there until it was too late. I mean, occasionally we saw fire in frustration. Like, we saw Emmanuel Sanders gesturing. It looked like he was eviscerating Noah Fant near the sideline when Zach, Zach Azani was right there as well. So that's, not the type of, that's not the type of fire that you no, need. I no, want, I want fire that's going to – punch the opponent in the mouth. That's what I want to see. And there were bursts that we did see that the O-line really seemed to be feeling itself in the third quarter as you know, they were getting some of those downhill runs. Dalton Reiser's getting out in front, making a nice block for Royce Freeman. That was the moment where I saw the energy that I wanted to see, but then in the red zone, it just petered out. I mentioned the swinging gate play, and then you can go, you can look at the, uh, the, the other series and you can p- it wasn't a lack of energy. It was Deshaun Hamilton dropping the ball. So it's hard to pinpoint this on one thing, but there were so many areas in which the Broncos had something go wrong. There, you can't really point to one specific phase or one aspect of one phase and say, well, that really went well. There's stuff that you can pick apart from everything. Well, Mace, how – Ryan and I talked about this yesterday. How – whether it's an organization, Vic Fangio, the players, how do they bring that energy from the get-go? Because you know what? I'm sick and tired of hearing, and we heard it again today from Vic Fangio, and we heard it from Vance Joseph the past few years is, well, we just need to come out and start better, and then the energy will come from that. Like we saw with the 49ers, the energy did not come when practice started, and they had a good play. They had a good series. The energy with the Raiders did not start when they scored that touchdown. They came out ready to go, but Burfecht on, on his first play, he, he's, he's looking to blow someone up. And it's not because he just did that three straight plays. No, it's just he brings that. So I don't want to hear they need a hot start. How do you bring that from the beginning? You have to have the energy to create the hot start. You have That's to the em- problem. Right. You have to empower the players who bring that energy. Mm. And the people in positions of power on this team aren't like that. Joe Flacco is not like that. Vic Fangio is not like that. Ed Donatel is not like that. Rich Scangarello <laughs> is not like that. There's no one in a leadership role that has that fire. And there is one guy, and I wrote about this last night. There is one guy who has that fire. He's had it his whole life. It 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 oozes out of his pores, energy does. And it's Philip Lindsay. And we thought after last season, okay, he's not a rookie anymore. He can sit on the couch if he wants. And now he can let his energy matriculate into the rest of the team. Well, we're standing in the locker room earlier this uh, last week, and someone asked Shelby Harris about how uh, – well, the first question was, Philip kind of carved out a little bit of a leadership role for himself last year. How do you think uh, you know he can, com- he can compile on that this year? And Shelby – Shelby Harris literally laughed in the face of the reporter and said, a rookie having a leadership role last year? Are you kidding me? Mm -hmm. We're like, okay, well, how about this year? Can he be a leader this year? And Shelby said, 
come on, man. When you have a veteran team like this, no one's really listening to a second-year guy. Uh, you know, uh, he hasn't been through anything. How, who, how are you supposed to look to a guy who hasn't been through anything in the NFL? We have Super Bowl MVPs on this team. I think there's still a generation gap in the locker room. And there are some little ways you can see that just even when we walk in to the locker room and talk to players three or four times a week and then after the games. And this kind of leads to my next point. The future lies with a lot of these young guys like Philip Lindsay, like Bradley Chubb. And maybe this year is something of a weeding out year for the Broncos. And perhaps what happens is after this year, maybe you're talking about fewer guys that either were around for Super Bowl 50 or were around for the year or two after that when you still had a good chunk of the core together. And maybe you're talking about building a new core that started with the 2018 draft class. Good. Good, good, good. And that that's, of course, only if it continues down this route. You have to keep drafting well. Right. But and you have to draft more guys with energy. Again, I mean, I'm even thinking of Von Miller. He's not an energy guy. Bradley Chubb, not really an energy guy. Like, you, you've got Philip Lindsay and kind of Emmanuel Sanders, but as we mentioned earlier in the segment, it's not – Emmanuel isn't – sometimes he, he channels it in the wrong way. You know what I can't stand is – Year after year, leading up to this year, I mean, maybe go back three years, there's this core of the team outside of the quarterback. Obviously, that's changed. But there's a core that's just stayed the same. And you're like, okay, well, I get it. Nine and seven, uh, you you lost Peyton Manning. Keep that core together. There was something good going there. Uh, And then the core stays the same. Six and ten, you're like, okay, maybe just one down here. Then five and 11. And all of these guys, there's five or six guys each year where we're like, oh, they can move on from this guy. They can move on from this guy. They can move on from this guy. And and we go down, and there's five or six guys that that are part of this core that just stay the same. And to me, it's like, when? When is – it doesn't even have to be a, a full reset button, but when can you move on from those guys? And if it goes down that road, I hope three years in a row uh, of of not good stuff going on would would be that answer and would would force the Broncos hand. Well, in terms of energy, something that they're going to have to ask themselves over the next several weeks if this result is not an aberration, if it's the sign of things to come, is who's who do we want in the foxhole for twenty twenty. It doesn't have to be a matter of saying, well, it's only young guys at the expense of veterans, but I think there are certain players in that locker room, players that fans have come to know and love that could be on shaky ground in terms of their future with the team if, if, they, if they're not on board with this. And I, I do wonder if the losses pile up, will there be guys who are not on board with the things that Vic Fangio and his new regime are trying to do? And that's something to monitor if the Broncos can't get this turned around. If they do lose to Chicago, and then they, if they go to Green Bay and lose, and they're 0-3, because you know right now, after losing to the Raiders, the Bears game, it's a coin flip game. I think 
Broncos can win. I think Vic Fangio is going to be able to scheme Chicago's offense very well, but who knows? And I don't have any illusions about this team going to Green Bay and winning. It's hard to have, uh, it's hard to feel good about anything right now, and and I you can see it within the fan base. Um, the fan base is in panic mode already uh, because you know. they've seen this before. Yep. This was now for the coaches. Like I mentioned this on Twitter Tuesday morning. The fans and the co- and the coaches are perceiving it in two different ways. A lot of the coaches are new, so they're not doing the oh here we go again. All of us that are sitting here and watching this team, whether we're in the media or whether we're or whether you're a fan, you've been you've been to this opera before. And that loss Monday night, just taking games against the Raiders alone had elements of the twenty seventeen loss in Oakland, the twenty eighteen loss in Oakland, and you can go deeper and see elements of other defeats over the last two years it was like it was just taken taken from the script and rehashed over and over again so that's part of the concern I think but the I don't think the coaches are panicking but I think it's just it's a difference in perception because we've seen this from a lot of these players and we've seen this from this team and it wasn't anything inspirational at all crucial mistakes holds in the bad in bad spots sacks in bad spots uh, bad play calls, overly conservative defense. The cushion was too big. I mean, it's it was literally like you took a, a script from how the Broncos lost a game last year and just plugged all the elements into a game this year. Yeah, why is Isaac Yadam back so far uh, on that uh-huh. final third down? And retreating. Like, yes. You, like, you can, you can have your cushion be at the sticks on that play. It was Bradley Roby-esque. Right. But yeah. his first steps were back, so he – instantly gave away the sticks the second the snap was but when you get burned enough it gets in the back of your head and you think oh man I don't want to get burned it's just you got to know in that time like giving up seven yards is the exact same thing as giving up 50. I wonder why you lose I wonder whether there was any thought in the game to having Kareem Jackson play corner in base and then have Will Parks back there at safety with Justin Simmons rather than continuing to leave Isaac Yadam out there to get burnt. There's an energy guy, Will Parks. Yes. That guy can go get some people fired up. He can yell and scream and, and be a crazy man out there. Like That would have been a good idea. Well, wasn't that the point of Kareem Jackson's versatility? Well, In a pinch, you can play him at corner? Well, and today Vic Fangio said that Kareem had to play a little bit of nickel, but he Vic himself wasn't very comfortable having him do that just since he didn't have reps there. So my guess is that was the thought process at corner was – Creams played pretty much exclusively safety throughout the entire offseason training camp preseason. They did they didn't want to pull that trigger and put him out there when he hasn't practiced. But it goes to the question you asked: why wasn't was, that wasn't that the point of bringing him here? Yeah. So why wasn't he practicing there? <laughs> right. You had fifty thousand days <laughs> yeah. of training camp, and you couldn't get him some work out there. Goodness gracious! It's like they practiced for what they expected the ideal situation to be, but didn't practice for the contingency plan. Right. Assuming that, okay, well, Kareem's played some corner before. He's going to be able to figure it out. And I think he made a very good acquittal of himself when he was working in the slot on Monday night. But it would have been nice to have the flexibility to to play him outside in base and have your best potential set of healthy defensive backs available because 
if you're in your base package and Isaac Yadam is out there and Will Parks is not, with Bryce Callahan down, that's not your best quartet. Right. The best quartet when Callahan is down involves Will Parks being in that game. Maybe this is why I'm not a coach, too reactionary, but like you could see it on the first drive. It was time to try something else. And it kept going and kept going and kept going and eventually cost you a chance to have a chance to tie the ball game. So that's, that's the question of, uh, of how do you balance and where is the right balance between letting a guy get beat over and over and over again and going to plan B? Because, it, like, like you said, fans wanted to pull the plug after, like, the first time uh, they, they caught a pass on Yadam. Probably not the, the right deal to do, but we've seen it with, with the last staff and regime here where it would be – games games half a season a full season where everyone knows they need to change something up and they just didn't so obviously that's way too extreme uh on that end uh you had Devonte bosby he was in competition with yadam for, for that other corner spot he, he never took over uh yadam and then you also had Corey nelson who comes in here gets signed last week and plays uh like 85 percent of the snaps at linebacker aj johnson not a single snap at inside backer. What does that say for A.J. Johnson? Mm, it says a lot. <laughs> it, it, sa- it says a ton. And, uh, but, I mean, the, the run game wasn't stopping. Uh, now, was it all Corey Nelson's fault? Absolutely not. But at what point do you pull the plug on some of these experiments? Josie Jewell was having to clean up for Corey Nelson a lot. A lot. That's why he ended up leading the team in tackles. Yep. Because yeah. he was at times it looked like Josie Jewell was doing the job of two inside backers. By the way, Josie Jewell was the only Bronco to come close to a sack when he had that when it, when he had that blitz yep. near the in goal to go, and he didn't even touch him. Yeah, it, yeah, <sighs> he Jewell got there in one point six six seconds. But that but but Derek Carr sidestepped him. Yep, had the completion. But and that on they went. That's a scheme. That was a scheme problem. Like, yeah, Vaughn and Bradley maybe could have had a chance to get a couple things done in there. But if you allow Derek Carr to get the ball out early, like, he's making, like, Madden reads out there. And he's Okay, let me – oh, underneath, inside five-yard out, cool. I know that's going to be there because there's no one within t- yeah, 10 yards of the line of scrimmage. You're giving him the cushion, and Derek Carr is only more than happy to say thank you when you give him something inside of 10 yards. Why – if you're Matt Nagy, why are you not – especially after listening to Vic today – when Vic goes, yeah, well, he's just getting the ball out quick. If you're Matt Nagy, oh. why aren't you saying we are getting the ball out as as quick as possible? Heck, it, what's, what's Aaron Rodgers going to do to this defense? Heck, Gardner Minshew can throw five <laughs> yard outs in it, week four. It, it, well, he had an 88 percent completion on on Sunday. What's he going to do if the Broncos give him this this defense? You 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 cannot do that. And and I, and I was kind of being snarky on Twitter, but I kind of feel strongly about this. Vic Fangio didn't watch the film from last year, right? Yeah. Well, if he did, he would have known that that was not a good plan. Now they did win that game, which I talked about last night, and may- maybe he said, "Hey, if we, if you, ta- and, and here's the biggest problem: if you tackle, this can work. It's a bend don't break type of thing, but you got to tackle. You know how many tackles the Broncos missed hey, last night? Ten. Ten. Eight, ten. Ten missed tackles. Double digit missed tackles. In fact, that is a big reason why they lost." Yes, it's annoying to see Derek Carr throw those five-yard outs and five-yard ins, but if you tackle him there, well, okay, it's second and five, and you force an incompletion, it's third and five, and you're off the – but Waller is out there running through walls. 
Like, <laughs> like you know, a, a tank out there. He, he catches it at five, and he's getting to eight every time, and, and you're just done. So, anyways, the, I mean, you're right. Matt Nagy, uh, uh, Matt LaFleur, uh, who is the guy in Jacksonville? DeFilippo? Yeah, DeFilippo. He's, I mean, all these guys are saying, hey, hope the Broncos don't learn from that mistake because mm-hmm. our quarterback can definitely throw those passes. Mm-hmm. Zach Stevens can throw those passes. Mm-hmm. Now we're hey, talking. hey, hey, let's not get carried away. Here. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, speaking of not getting carried away, let's not get carried away with this segment. And don't get too carried away when you drink Breckenridge <laughs> beers because they taste so good that you might just forget that you're drinking beers and have – Seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve of them, and then you might be in trouble. Uh, it's ki- it's kind of like, you know, in college. Remember when you had like jungle juice? Oh <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you're like, it doesn't uh, just taste like Sprite. <laughs> and you're just drinking it, and then all of a sudden you're you're on your tail. So don't get too carried away just because it tastes so good. Uh, but the strawberry sky really, honestly, is that good. So make sure you head down to your local liquor store. Maybe it's Total Beverage. Maybe it's Davidson's. Wherever you like to find your beer, grab some Strawberry Sky or some Breck Lager or, or even the Colorado Core, which Ooh. is like, it's like a mix of a cider, an ale, and a champagne all in one. It's like a dry tasting, very sippable cider. I'll tell you what, I'm, I'm, I'm a beer guy, so I enjoy what's inside the can. Breckenridge knocks out of the park. My girlfriend is a, is a, is a can girl and... Breckenridge a can girl can girl you know just she she she, she likes, collects cans no 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 she just likes how it looks maybe uh, just as much as it tastes oh the art right the art Breckenridge not knocks it out of the park and all in both respects and the Colorado Kolsch the Colorado Core Col- Colorado Core oh so good so drinkable very very good all right let's take a quick break here when we return we'll get some uh, some of your questions diamond club baseball has produced elite athletes for 10 years now and is even trusted by your colorado rockies to run their scout team program diamond club is based right here in denver and their goal is to treat player development just like it's a minor league organization so that your child can be set up for the ultimate success Everyone works together to make sure that everyone's getting the proper instruction that they need to help youth athletes grow and to become great ball players yet enjoy the game. That's why I have my son playing with Diamond Club because it's it's a great way to really show them they're, they're learning baseball the right way. That was Sean. As he mentioned, his son plays on a Diamond Club team. They offer multiple summer camps, private lessons, high school teams, and youth competitive teams. Plus, their prices are more affordable than their competition. Diamond Club has very fair price. You know, when you kind of pay and know that all fees for the tournaments, fields, uniforms, and instruction are taken care of, as well as getting access to some of the things that other programs don't offer, like entire team instruction and fitness programs, you know, the whole package to really make sure that a ball player ends up a well-rounded youth athlete. Believe us when we tell you that after experiencing the knowledge, positive attitude, work ethic, and fun that their summer camps provide, your child will want to play on one of their teams. Check out diamondclubbaseball.net today to learn more. Along here on the BSN Broncos podcast, a lot of people, Zach, tweeted at us while we were recording the podcast, like, guys, please talk me off the ledge. I don't know if we did a good job of that. So hopefully you're all okay. Um, Let's get to the questions here. We had a weird technical issue. We honestly have no idea what happened. Posted the podcast on the website. I'm sure some of you had already commented on it. 
and then it vanished into the cybersphere, never to be seen again, into a black hole. Uh, so we have n- we can't find it. We don't know what happened to it. It is completely and utterly gone. I'm pretty sure there are some things I've written over the years that I wish would vanish into a similar <laughs> cyber br- black hole. Well, uh, can't help you there, but we are going to get to some of your questions that were left uh, on the other podcast because I think you guys were confused, so you just started commenting there, which... Way to adjust on the fly. And that leads us perfectly into this first question from Brian, who says, where are these in-game adjustments at, Rich? Because remember, guys, Rich Gangarello said on Friday, if you wait to halftime to adjust, you've waited too long. Well, Rich waited too long. He waited too long yesterday. I'll say this, though. I looked at you with like a few minutes left in the second quarter, and I was like, have the Broncos only had the ball twice? That's part of it. The Raiders had these long, drawn-out drives in the first half, was just zipping right along because Oakland was able to control the ball for so much. So there wasn't really the opportunity for the Broncos to change much of what they were doing because the drive that they had at the end of the first half was only their third possession. Third possession, and like, you can't bail on your game plan – when you've only had the ball twice, like you don't even know what's working and what's not working yet. Uh, really frustrating. It's got to be from Rich Gangarello's standpoint because it's like you're already in a hole. You don't know what's really working, what's not working. And you've got this two-minute drive, which actually should have resulted in points. Uh, but No yeah, fan holding. It, it didn't really have it. He didn't really have a chance to adjust until halftime. No, I mean, it, the very first series was a three and out. And then after that, you did move the ball into Raider territory on both of, of your final two possessions in the first half. And the first one, Ron Leary shoots the team in the foot. That knocks him out of field goal range. They move back in, and then they move back out after a Joe Flacco sack. So just killed themselves there. And then Noah Fant uh, forcing them to take a 64-yard field goal at halftime. So you look at the penalties there, and realistically – those are six points that you lost mm-hmm. at minimum, maybe even more if you don't have that penalty on the drive early in the second quarter, the, the Leary holding penalty. Maybe you're driving to a touchdown there. By the time the Broncos got the ball back to start their third possession, they had run only 11 plays. Oakland had run 30. Oh. Of course, Oakland did receive the opening kickoff, so there was a disparity there, but, you know, Denver's drives were three and eight plays. Oakland went 10 plays, seven plays, 13 plays. And at that point, good grief, they had they had chewed up on their first three possessions, guys, 18 minutes and 49 seconds. The Broncos, when they got the ball back, they had only had the football for seven minutes and 41 seconds. You're saying it looks like a bad thing. <laughs> the defense was gassed, and I think – that led to some of the tackling issues that multiplied in the second half, like the Josh Jacobs 28-yard play. It was just craptacular tackling at that point. And that was, that was the point when I was looking at the defenders on the field and seeing a lot of, a lot of heavy breathing, a lot of, guy, a lot of guys uh, dropping their heads a little bit, trying to catch their breath. Did you say craptacular? Yes, I did. I like that. I Homer like Simpson. That. Actually, it's a Bart Simpson word. He uh, was describing Homer's Christmas display one year, and there was like a reindeer that fell off the edge of the roof, and all, not all the lights turned on, and Bart said, it's craptacular. <laughs> craptacular. 
craptacularly bad. Is it craptacling or is it craptacular? Exactly. Or is it both? <laughs> Sounds like that's our word of the day, folks. Next presented one. by me. <laughs> <laughs> Next one coming in from True Champ Fan 24 He says, it's early. End of the second quarter. I'm not sold on Yadam. Our right tackle problem will never be solved. And real quick, uh, some news from me. Uh, uh, Juwan James will have an MRI, or actually probably already at this point has had that MRI done on his knee today. And there's some fear that it could be serious, which would just be oh, such a bummer for this team. Yeah, he was walking around with a pronounced limp in the locker room after the game. But, look, we've seen players that walked off the field after having torn ACLs. I remember Von Miller back in 2013 uh, walked back to the locker room after he tore and turned out he torn his ACL. So just because he was on his feet in the locker room after the game doesn't mean that it wasn't a serious injury. So pins and needles. But if he's out for a substantial period of time, the revolving door at right tackle continues seemingly never to be stopped. Quick story. Philip Lindsay once tore his ACL on the first play of a football game and went on to rush for 147 yards in the first half before they took him out oh, due wow. to swelling in the second half and realized that his ACL was torn. Holy cow. And it's the worst news if it is a serious injury for Juwan James. Isn't that Elijah Wilkinson steps in and is your right tackle? Yes, but Elijah Wilkinson did not look like the solid depth piece that we thought he was last night. He certainly didn't. He did not look like that one great depth piece that you had. Gave up a sack just a few plays later. That's what then caused the Broncos to be out of field goal range again. But it's what is behind, and uh, there would be nothing. I mean, the, the, the two depth pieces you would have if Elijah is considered a starter would be Austin Schlotman. Ashton Schlockman. <laughs> and uh, you don't Dan get... or Don? <laughs> I think it's Corey Levine. It's Corey yeah. Levine. It sound, I'm pretty sure that's the name of my elementary school principal. <laughs> so what, you don't want to give Schlotman a shot, man? Oh, hey. Might welcome, well, RK. Might as well to schlot him into the starting lineup. <laughs> yeah. Alaska Preston chimes in. In the wise words of Rob Schneider, we suck again. <laughs> Damn, am I worried for the season. If this crap play continues, maybe it's not craptacular, just crap. That's the word of the day. Do we see the trading of Vaughn Miller, Chris Harris Jr., Emmanuel Sanders, and every other piece of value in order to tank? Well, mm. I don't see them doing that unless it gets completely out of hand. Now, with the extra cap space that you have from the Joe Flacco restructure, you've now gone to about $18 million of cap space. Dare I say, even though there might be a position shift involved for somebody, if Jawan James is out for the year and Garrett Bowles continues to show signs of being, show that he is who he is, he had a holding penalty that got declined on Monday night, do the Broncos step into the Trent Williams sweepstakes? I hope not. I hope not, too, just because Look, I, I'm not a fan of the Flacco restructure because all you're doing is kicking the can down the road, and you just napalmed the flexibility that you had yep. with his deal. Yep. It was it was short-term thinking. What was the what did they gain? I, I, they have to do something now for me to say, okay, I see why you did it. Well, they say okay, they can gain the ability to 
re-sign some guys during the season. But I don't care the about season. the ability but to you do could, it. I want to see it happen. But you could you could have taken the money for the re-signing. You could have just put that on next year's cap, and it wouldn't it wouldn't have locked you in with the guarantees that you're going to have at quarterback. So that's one that going into the season, if they had they had confidence, sounded good. But if this thing goes off the rails in the next few weeks, it may blow up in their face. If this thing goes off the rails, then. What is the point of trading for Trent Brown? I mean, or, or not Trent, uh, Trent, Trent Williams? There is no point. W- wouldn't you have wanted to go two and zero, and then you're like, "Holy cow, we are competing for this year. We're just one piece away. Now let's make the move." That's why I don't think it would happen uh, unless the Broncos. If let's say they do it after four games, they'd have to be two and two, at least. Yeah, which it, is possible. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. It, it is possible. Gotta get one this week. Gotta get, gotta get this one. Next one here is from Bronco Duck. He says, immediate game reactions. Very disappointed with the defense. The secondary is picked apart. The line got no pressure on Carr, and there were only two tackles for loss. The first half offense was hard to watch. The second half showed some promise. Freeman, Lindsey, Sanders, when targeted, and Sutton, balls, bald. (laughs) Hopefully this is something they can build on as a unit. The TD drop from Hamilton ripped my heart out right in the bread basket. Couldn't believe it. Overall, our team looked rusty in the first half. Too much ground to make up in the second. On to the next. Go Broncos. Question. Do you gentlemen want to see them air it out more with the success Flacco had in the second half? Please do some, do something that gives you a chance to, you know, make some plays down the field. I mean, that's what these guys are here to do. That's what Emmanuel Sanders is here to do. He's getting paid, what, $12 million? Give the man a chance to run under a football. And the one time you did it, he did it. Uh, give Cortland Sutton a chance to win a jump ball. I'm going. That is going to be... My the death of me that when when someone uh, has to write my cause of death it is not enough jump balls to Cortland Sutton major props to Cortland for a great game uh, you know there was a lot of talk about his arrogance and and that sort of thing and and how it seemed to have negatively impacted him as he was having a pretty lackluster camp but he went out there and he balled um, almost the same routes every time slants and posts but hey it worked and Flacco certainly has the timing down on that but. Just, for the love of God, give the guy a chance to go one-on-one and go up and get a ball. It's more than Cortland was doing last year. He added some branches to that route tree of his. And it's not a surprise that he would do that in his second year. Every scouting report on Cortland Sutton, or almost every scouting report, said that there's going to be some time involved in his development because he's basically a one-route guy coming out of SMU. Well, now you're starting to see him build on that Last night, he looked like a wide receiver one. And sure did. And that's one of the most promising things. I want to also see more plays like the pass to Emmanuel Sanders. You're working under center. The Broncos did not pass from very often under center. They had um, 18 runs under center, seven passes. But Flacco was 5 of 7 for 86 yards, including that 53-yarder mm-hmm. to Emmanuel Sanders when they worked under center. There's something there. By the way, very interesting. When the Broncos went in shotgun, 27 pass plays, five runs. But one of the runs was Royce Freeman for 26 yards going to the right side. So Broncos need to get their run-pass distribution. Not in, it's not 50-50 balance, but they've got to pass a bit more from under center, and they've got to run a bit more from the shotgun to start catching opponents off guard. Talk about the total opposite of what we heard all offseason. This offense, it's so that the defense has no idea what's coming. That when you run the boot, it's going to catch everyone off guard. They couldn't have tipped their hand more. The, the Raiders appeared perfectly prepared 
for every play fake boot the Broncos well, had. Well, the, the Broncos did have one perfectly executed boot where Deshaun <laughs> Hamilton was running wide open and somehow Flacco threw him so off balance that he ended up losing like eight yards and then they got a lucky spot and only ended up being minus three. Yeah. Flacco's ball placement at times wasn't good. No, no he re- he's really good on those slants and posts. Yeah. Next one coming in from CJ Niche. Niche. 32, Niche, 32. Garbage. Stop jinxing them, boys. First case Keenum, and now the defense. So do you want us to just not tell you what's looking good in, in training camp? I mean, I, I, get, I, get, I get what you're going at, but it's, we can only tell you what, what we see. And the bottom line is when they're going against each other in practice, you've got a 6-10 offense going against a 6-10 defense. I grew up with this in Tampa right. Bay back when they were down – I'd go to, to training camp when I was a kid. I'd be like, oh, wow, you know, they look good. It's like, you know, <laughs> Vinny Testaverde has got good time with Mark Carrier. He's on point. It's going to be a great year. And then you get to the regular season, they'd struggle, and you'd remind yourself, oh, yeah, of course they look good because they went against the bad defense that everyone else was shredding. <laughs> At least we were all almost right about the offensive output. Didn't we all predict 17 points from the offense? Yeah. Yep. So, Not too far away. So we had that one on point. We just didn't realize the defense was going to go into the game with the same game plan that they had last year. All right, next one. Oh, you want to get the next one, Mace? Sure. New to the pod. First comment. This is from Buffalo Bruce. Go Buffs. Ladies and gentlemen, we got him, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. This season is clearly going to be a miserable disaster, so I'm going to bring some joy <laughs> each week. We number forward to one, that. Number one, the Buffs won this week, so at least RK won't hang himself. <laughs> I mean, it's intense, but... God, whatever the opposite of hanging yourself is, is what I did on Saturday. (laughs) Number two, we didn't fumble any snaps or fair catches. Hey, hashtag progress. Deontay Spencer keeps his job for another week. Yes, no big mistakes in that regard. No fumbles, no interceptions, no... No turnovers. Anything like that. Anywhere. Number three, we can officially nickname our coach Thick Fangio. Wow. Oh, man. <laughs> Number four, we'll probably be on Hard Knocks next season to watch the rise of Lord and Savior Drew Locke. Mm. Oh, boy, oh, boy. I mean, you want tight sphincters in this <laughs> building? That's what would happen if Hard Knocks said, we're coming to the Broncos. Oh, man. Oh. Tight sphincters. There yeah. you go. Nobody. <laughs> that's, a, that's a new band name. Nobody <laughs> wants Hard Knocks. Number five, we have this awesome and miserable community to share our misery in. Well, Kind of contradicts each other, but okay. <laughs> Rock on and Mace, please don't eat Philly cheesesteak hot pockets that is psychopathic <laughs> and possibly why we lost tonight. By the way, I was very tempted, guys, to have a pepperoni pizza hot pocket because the suburban hotel at which I stayed, thanks to Priceline.com, whatever, you know, ran- randomly came up, had like a little little shop down in the lobby and had Hot Pockets pepperoni pizza. <laughs> and I very nearly opted for one, but then I decided, wait, I can have Hot Pockets in Denver, and Hot Pockets were invented in Colorado. Oh, Is that true? Yes. Whoa. No I can't what believe you guys didn't know that. This is why we hired you. Yeah. <laughs> Forget about the football. It's just telling you that Hot Pockets are a Colorado invention. Yes. Forget about knowing the average down and distance for the Broncos on third down. Yes. That's the stuff we hired you for. Do you so, know hey, where in Colorado? Well, what's the story? I was reading about it um, <laughs> last week because the people that, found, that founded it were uh, 
they, they, they cashed out a while ago, but um, came to being, I think, in like the late 70s, early 80s when they were developed. Yeah, th- I, there's a story from <laughs> Westward from 2012 about it. The Hot Pocket brothers, David and Paul Mirage, invented Paul in, the late, <laughs> in the late 1970s, creating a frozen food empire, Chef America, out of the Hot, po- products, the hot Pockets product they started selling in 1983. Nestle bought the company for $2.6 billion, <gasps> and then they moved the Colorado subsidiary that they had that administered Hot Pockets, they moved it out of Colorado in 2012. Wow. I knew Colorado was the best. <laughs> Speaking of, for anyone who didn't catch it, uh, if you are one of the 3,000 people who have viewed this on Periscope, Zach did eat a Hot Pocket last night. I did. I did. And it was edible. It, what, what, what did I describe it as? Terribly good? Terribly good. Terribly good. Yes. Yep. That's a Hot Pocket. It was... It, it looked solid, man. I wanted to eat it, but it doesn't fit my diet. <laughs> you could scoop Wait. out the insides, right? Eh, I don't know. There's probably some stuff <laughs> How in there. have they not invented a keto Hot Pocket? They probably have. What would it be? It'd be a meat crust? Yeah. Oh, like that pizza I had in Chicago. Yeah. Don't yeah. they have gluten-free Hot Pockets? They do, but sometimes gluten-free doesn't always translate to carb Right. It doesn't. It doesn't. Don't they have lettuce wrap Hot Pockets? Cold Pockets? <laughs> they should. They should. Call it a sandwich. All right. Uh, Brian chimes in here, and he says, I'm five White Claws in and about and about and some Denver's finest. Well, even he is five White Claws in. That's why I think struggle with the typing. Yes. And even that was rough to watch. Just got outcoached and manhandled. And, geez, Yadam, what happened? Our depth sucks. Game one, overreaction. I thought there was a White Claw shortage. There was. That's Maybe that was a good publicity stunt on their part. Make mm. everyone that saw it at the store feel like, ooh, they have it here. Let's get it. And it seemed like they had plenty. Now, it was California, but it seemed like they had plenty of them out there. <laughs> in the one store that I went into. Next one coming in from Mr. Split. He says, what's up, guys? Hope all is well. Been a while since I commented. Just have to say that game was bad. Complete trash on the Broncos' <laughs> part. This doesn't inspire any confidence going forward, and there are no moral victories in my book. We looked better last year with VJ, Keenum, and Musgrave. No, whoa, whoa, no, whoa. Let's not say anything we no. can't take back here. <laughs> no. <laughs> than what they did on offense tonight. And, and once again, our defense got shredded by Carr. No pressures, no sacks. No quarterback nothing. hits in the entire game. Wild. Literally, Derek Carr went untouched. Yep. He doesn't have a bruise to speak of. Unlike the Broncos today. Yeah, that defense was flying around. Do you know how many times, gentlemen, in his 27 pass plays, including a scramble, how many times Derek Carr was still holding the ball three seconds after, after the snap? I'm going to say three. I'll go one, that scramble. Four, Four, including the scramble. Wow. Wow. That's, that, that's the formula. 23 of 27 times had the ball out within three seconds of the snap, and 13 times had the ball out in under two seconds. At that point, Ooh. shouldn't you just rush three and, and have a, everyone else in coverage? Yes. That, that's the response to that. Like, where's the adjustment? Mm-hmm. It's almost silly. It, like, having Bradley Chubb and Von Miller on the field is almost silly at that point. Yep. They were useless. So he says, where was Vaughn and Chubb? 
I don't know, but I honestly feel like this will be another season of so much hope just to see in week six or week eight that our season is over. Maybe Adam Rake wasn't wrong about us going two and 14. Mace, <laughs> killing us with the phone ringing. I hope things get better, he says. But how can that be when we pay two free agents big money and one hasn't even been in practice? Bryce Callahan and the other can't even stay on the field in our right tackle, Juwan James. Does these things not worry you guys? You must not have heard the uh, podcast last night. We, we touched <laughs> on all those things and how much they worry us. First game, there are kinks to work out, but how does Sanders only have two targets until the fourth quarter? Sorry for the long post, and it's been a while, but I had to take a break from you guys with all the Bachelorette talk. Wow, don't worry. We've we've quelled that down. We haven't this talked about the Bachelorette <laughs> in weeks. We might as well at this point. <laughs> oh, I hope not. He says, JK, I love you guys. Hopefully this gets better. And welcome, Mace. So really the, the thing we didn't address was how does Sanders go two targets until the fourth? Beats me. It's not even like they have a clamp corner over there where it's like, oh, well, they were those two were just on an island all game, and you kind of just – Forget about that side. No, it was it was just bad. I mean, I thought they were going to start the game on an Emmanuel Sanders slant. That's what they did pretty much every practice when Emmanuel Sanders is out here. It's the fact that he wasn't he did not get targeted Mace until the two the play after the 2-minute warning. Right. In the first half. I don't understand that because there were moments that they could have they could have fed him the ball. And today the reason Vic Fangio said that that he was slow was because uh, he's just still recovering from, and, and working his way back. He's not in football shape. Give yet. me a break. <laughs> he was fine on all camp, and everyone talked about how fine he was all camp, including the number one person who pushed that narrative, Vic Fangio. Yep. I'm not going to disagree with you. I completely agree with you. All right. What's he finished with here? Or Okay, that we're, we're done. That was we, it. We so we're on to Willie Thomas. Just left the game. Ouch. Did we look as bad as it appeared from the stands? Yep. Yes. Yes. <laughs> they did. For what it's worth, the crowd was fired up about AB and it being the last opener in Oakland. And I don't know if you guys heard it on television, but the bleep oh, AB chants came through <laughs> yeah. multiple times. It sounded almost good as bleep the Huskers, which I heard <laughs> plenty on Saturday. Mace was right about some things just bringing a team together. And I think that was a storyline of this game for the Raiders. Everyone on that team seemed to play like they could they were telling the world we don't need 84 we don't need ab if i was a coach i would lose my absolute mind to see my team go out there against their opponent in week one and it'd be so very clear that the other team wanted it more like the the raiders wanted that game so much more than the broncos we're talking about week one here yeah, they had the chip on the shoulder. I didn't see that from the Broncos. Is that is that one of the reasons why Vic was was extremely disappointed? Should be, but he bears some uh, some blame there too. And we talked about Phil earlier, and we and I had one point I did, I wanted to mention. It's up to the coaching staff to empower him to be that guy. Now it just has to, sometimes it has to happen naturally, but you didn't do season captains. You could have you could have made Philip Lindsay a captain, and that would have given him the power. To speak up. Well, but you didn't make anybody a captain. No, so, I know. I'm saying. But somebody needs to say something. Somebody needs to provide spark. What happened on defense? Well, I think and we kind of illustrated it with the coverage issues uh, that Isaac Yadam had. The fact that Derek Carr was getting the ball out quickly basically neutralized the best aspect of the Broncos' defense, which is Bradley Chubb and Von Miller off the edge. Did our offense start to figure it out in the second half, or did they just try to run out the clock and backed off? 
little bit of both. I thought they started to figure it out in the first half of the second half. Uh, and then the last, like the touchdown was was garbage time in my opinion, and, and I know Zach agrees, he's very uh, passionate about that last night. Raiders are playing off that whole series. Yeah, exactly. So they, they figured out how to get into field goal range in the first half of the second half. That's a step in the right direction. Uh, and they still have to figure out how to score touchdowns. You know what that last drive reminded me of? Do you remember against the Falcons in 2016 when Paxton Lynch was out there and actually led a touchdown drive at the end, but the game was hopelessly lost. That's yep. what it felt like. Yep. yep, yep, exactly. I think uh, Joe Flacco, too, super tall quarterback, had three passes knocked down at the line. I'm telling you, height is the single most overrated aspect of quarterback evaluation. I also must mention that Kyler had four knocked down. Um, so <laughs> it's about throw, but it's about throwing the lanes. Yes, and in exactly. the case of Flacco, you know, he had you know one of those passes knocked down in the open field when he was on a play action boot. Are we gonna get to um, picks at oh, some point in this podcast? We're we gonna get to picks. Okay. All right, we're, all right. we're gonna get to picks. All right, because I'll just talk about my Cardinals. Then. <laughs> um, finally, okay, we're moving on here. And before we get to this question from Inside Line Broncos, want to tell you about a sick deal from our friends over at Total Beverage, and you can use this on Breckenridge Brews. Don't get it twisted. They're giving the BSN fam 30% off your purchase of $25 or more. That's like three uh, strawberry skies. 30? 30? 30% off. You basically can buy three six-packs of strawberry sky and get them for the price of two. 30%. Wow. 30% off. Use code BSN2019 online or on the Total Beverage app that you can download today on the App Store. Total Beverage delivers to most of the metro area from Lakewood to Boulder and from Aurora to Brighton. And they have the lowest prices in the state. Plus, they now offer CBD product. That's right. From drinks to gummies, you can enjoy CBD products on your next visit to Total Bev. Don't let this offer pass you by. Order today and receive 30% off your purchase of $25 or more. And better yet, don't leave the comfort of your own home and get it delivered right to you. All right, from inside line, Broncos. Why is it so challenging for the Broncos to do anything on offense? Hmm. How long do we have? <laughs> I mean, I feel like because we've been discussing this for the last three seasons now, I mean, not the three of us together, but just in various spots, we've been talking about how this offense can't get untracked. I'll say this, the problems are different now than they were in the past, and I did see some promise in the offense from time to time. They've just got to not lose their nerve in the red zone. Don't get cute. Don't try to rearrange things. Keep doing what you're doing. I thought the swinging gate, go back to that, that basically neutralized momentum that you had. And if Deshaun Hamilton catches that pass in the third quarter, you're talking about, two touchdowns on red zone drives over the course of the game. You have a completely different feeling from So I think they're headed in the right direction. I am concerned about what this offensive line looks like if Jawan James has lost for a great deal of time. Here's the thing. What would be so great is if it was, you know, one thing, one easy thing. Even if that easy thing is trading for Trent Williams and giving up a first-round pick and giving him $15 million a year, that's an easy fix. The thing is, there's no easy fix with this because, Macy, you, you, you hit it right on the head. You said, how much time do you have? Because there's so many things, and that's the, that's the hardest thing to change is when there's so many different things to change. And while Joe Flacco was perfectly fine on Monday, what's the ceiling of this offense with him? 
Uh, average? Yeah. Maybe a bit above? Scoring enough points to win a game. Yep, j- j- just a bit above. And good. good uh, I'm happy you brought his name up. He finished with 105 passer rating. Did Joe Flacco play like he had 105 passer rating? Was this offense moving like their quarterback had 105 passer rating and out through the other quarterback? Not most of the game, but again, no. uh, in the fourth quarter, Joe Flacco went 8 for 9 for 131 yards, sacked once, and had a passer a touchdown, had a passer rating of 155.8. That is fantastic when uh, you're tied, when you're down three entering the fourth, when you're up two entering the fourth. When, 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 you're, when you're down 12, 15 points, great. Good for you, bud. That's in Blake Bortles' garbage time territory. Right. <laughs> <laughs> this one is from Hey Mace. USF has lost eight straight. Woof. That is so mean. <laughs> Anyways. That is their name. <laughs> Are they going to be able to change that? Yeah, he'll change it to, n- to nine straight if USF lose to, lose to South Carolina State this week. Oh, jeez. Alma mater of Darius Leonard. Okay. Oh. Uh, through all the offensive miscues, questionable coverage, and special teams gaffes, the one – thread of continuity to tile all together is that discontinuity is taking its toll on the Broncos. All of the moving pieces on the coaching staff and at quarterback have created a talented roster that lacks an identity, and that simply takes time. No need to burn the house down, but we will need a lot of patience. Buckle in, boys. It's going to be a bumpy ride. Yeah, I think the only way you change the schemes after this season is if you have a complete disaster, 2-14 and 14 or 1-15, and 15. and I don't think you're going to see that. I, th- no. I don't think this team's going to be a playoff team, but I don't think it's going to be something where you just napalm the whole thing and start over. Let me just tell you this. This fan base, uh, very short on patience at this <laughs> juncture. So uh, don't expect anything but all-out all out meltdowns on Twitter after every game if it looks anything like that. Would, Would it- the fan base be patient, though, if – John Elway kind of admitted, hey, we're rebuilding this thing. Do you think the fans would give that rope if, if, there was they a came, plan. If, if somebody came out and said, hey, we are rebuilding it, it's going to take some time, rather than, well, we're always trying to win right now. Right. They don't, even, they don't believe that, that they're rebuilding. And so you have to believe that you're rebuilding and put in a plan to rebuild and then tell the fans that you're rebuilding and they can get behind it. Uh, I don't know how excited Dolphins fans are right now, but honestly, they're probably not panicking in the way that Broncos fans are because at least they feel like there probably is a light at the end of the tunnel somewhere. Well, I think what happened in Miami was, in theory, and leading up to it, everyone felt good about the process. And then on Sunday, they got a whiff of what that process (laughs) looks like and smells like, and it stinks. That's the reality. Going on here, he says, in regards to the temporary name change, I was formerly Chris O'Brien, but when Ryan and Zach revealed that Mace is a USF Bulls fan, I figured out the only way I could allow my nickel a day to land in the pockets of a bull is by taking advantage of my subscription at least this one time to remind him that USF has not won a football game for 11 months, while UCF has only lost one football game in the last 33 months. I have to say this, with the catastrophically poor game management, penalty issues, mental breakdowns, etc. that USF football has provided during this eight-game winning streak. Losing I streak. Told, uh, losing streak. 
Uh, I'm tired. I have him on two hours of sleep here. Y'all got rid of Vance Joseph. I've still got my Vance Joseph. <laughs> I still have to deal with this. Oh, I feel bad for, for yeah, you. But yeah, tough. like USF last year is they're melting down, and they, they were going on that losing streak six games last year and then two to start this season. As they're dropping games, I'm seeing the same types of mistakes on Saturday and Sunday. So I'm seeing it as a fan on Saturday, and then I'm watching it, the team that I'm covering on Sunday. I couldn't get away from it. I need a break. <laughs> the good news is that Nebraska has found their Vance Joseph. <laughs> Frosty they, Flakes? He got uh, so badly outcoached in the second half by my, boy, by my boy Mel Tucker. It was a beautiful thing to see. He is ripped, though. He was showing his guns off. Yeah. No, I would take Mel in a fight, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> I probably would, too. Uh, anyways, he finishes and says, I do have a question, though. With Bryce sideline, why in the world did Fangio not take advantage of the versatility he prizes to put Kareem Jackson in at quarterback? Cornerback. <laughs> quarterback might have worked, We're too. We're all having trouble <laughs> today. And bring Will Parks <laughs> in at safety. Seems to me that Will Parks is a lot better than Isaac Yadam at this point. I give that a thumbs up. Yeah, because <laughs> you can do that about. literally on the website. Yes. Yep. Give it a thumbs up. <laughs> I, I just did. <laughs> Next one coming in from behind enemy line says, just got to wipe my cheeks dry and talk about a happier subject. My Mace origin story goes back to following his coverage for the Broncos when I was a sophomore in high school, circa 2002. Oh, man. Only journalist I've been a fan of for 17 years. I tried to explain the significance to my wife of the legend joining the boys who commute with me every day, but as a Patriots fan, she has no frame of reference. Very excited to have the whole trio now. But if you had a fourth, I'll need a bigger car. <laughs> <laughs> Can I ride shotgun? I'm calling it. Wow, seven, 17 years. That gum. That's crazy. That is crazy. Well, thank you. I, I really appreciate that behind enemy lines. But, boy, a uh, Patriots fan? Oh, must have been interesting three or four years ago. One of my best friends is just got engaged. Well, not just got engaged, but is getting soon getting married to a Huskers fan. Mm. And so the tailgate was a, was a fun experience. Mm. Mm. She was so salty after that. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, one of the funniest things I've seen in a while. All right. We got Bearded Bronco here. My dudes, welcome, Mace. Good to have you in the family. Real quick comment on the game last night. Unless I missed it, I didn't notice any holding penalties on Garrett Bowles. Uh, One was to... declined. And, yeah, and I think uh, Andre tweeted something about this. So let me just look to it to make sure I have this right, what Andre said. Um, it's got to be here soon. Refs called the wrong number. Yep, yep, that's what you're talking about. I yeah, think. they corrected it. Okay. They yeah. originally assessed it elsewhere, and then he came out and corrected it and said, hold on, that's number 72. Number one on the two things that Bearded Bronco noticed. On run plays, Garrett Bowles will be out in front, not blocking. Do you think that this is because the runner was supposed to run outside and they just ran inside, which in turn allowed the defender to avoid being blocked and make the tackle? Uh, I think we, we saw this play. About. Yeah. yeah Garrett, <laughs> Garrett was lost on that play. And um, I'll just say this there are people around here who believe he's lost more often than not. I'm worried that he just isn't getting any better. You're now, you've now got a third group of offensive line coaches for him in as many years, and I think with all respect to the guys that came before, Mike Munchak and Chris Cooper, I don't think he's going to have better coaching 
in his career or more patient coaching in his career. Here's something to keep in mind. These guys are fantastic coaches, but this scheme is actually harder for an offensive lineman. You have to know more. You have to think more. And I don't know if that's going to help Garrett very much. Yeah. And so he got away with one last night. The Bears are coming to town. Khalil Max coming to town. That's a much better front seven than the Broncos saw Ex- Monday night. Not even close. They're not, not in the same even. galaxy. Exactly. And so the Broncos got ruined in the trenches, both sides. Yeah. So for anyone that maybe wants to extend Garrett Bowles right now, maybe you want to wait until after next Sunday. I don't think anyone wants to extend <laughs> Garrett Bowles. Number two, on quite a few run plays, the person that made the tackles, or at least initial contact, was the person that broke a block from Noah Fant. Thoughts? I noticed that, too. Yeah, he got a big fat F from Andre in the game grades. Uh, The one play downfield was, uh, I guess, something you can pin, you know, hang your hat on uh, for the future. But, ooh, boy, there was holdings. There was was blown up blocks. He looked very rookie-like out there. He looked. And one more thing. He had a catch. He caught it nine yards down the field and then, like, kind of – just clumsily like fumbled around and then just got crushed and they Broncos that was first down the Broncos didn't end up converting the third down yep he didn't look anything like the Broncos were hoping like we were expecting like flashes we've seen from him Uh, a a rookie that did look good was Dalton Dalton Mm -hmm. was solid it's kind of crazy that the left side of the line was significantly better than the right side you know something that probably needs to be mentioned here on Noah Fant he had 50 snaps last night. 30 of them he was involved in the passing game running a route. 18 stayed home and was involved in run blocking. One pass protection and one was the five-yard carry. With Noah Fant, I wonder if part of the problem is that he's just not ready to be an inline blocker in the running game. I'd like to see him operate more in space, even when the Broncos run the ball. Maybe you use him as kind of a big slot target instead of Deshaun Hamilton because he seems to operate better when he's blocking in space than when he's blocking in line. Too much of what I saw with Noah Fant last night felt like at this point they're trying to jam a square peg into a round hole. Mace, that seems seems like it'd be too creative. It, It would be too different to do. Different can be good. Oh, I completely, I completely your, agree with I you. I feel like they're not playing his strengths, and that's something I would like to see going forward. So, and we'll see if Rich Gangarello will make that adjustment. Number three, retired for Mr. B. Number four, one hole or two holes for Mace. Oh, yes. Does a straw have one or two holes or, or any other number that you might believe? It's one all the way through. I, forget, right. I always forget what team I'm on. <laughs> I, I know I'm on whatever team someone makes a case. I think for. I'm on team one hole. It's one continuous hole. Yep. <laughs> I think. One continuous hole, kind of like uh, the Broncos' defensive line yesterday. Wow. Oh, thank you guys for the amazing coverage. <laughs> Keep up the great work. You are welcome, Bearded Bronco. Next one coming in from Threat Level Midnight. He says, as bad as it was, I think everyone needs to relax. We're missing starters on defense. It was Flacco's first game. A new system and new personnel is going to take time. What were your favorite takeaways, and who do you think bounces back against Chicago? Mine was definitely Cortland Sutton, and I think Lindsey has a big game on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, Cortland proved us wrong because it looked like he was trending in the wrong direction during training camp. He went out in the first game that mattered and had the best game of his career. So 
hats off to Cortland. Um, that's got to be everyone's favorite, you know, bright spot from the game. I'm trying to think of other things. Flacco, like Flacco was better than Case Keenum. Um, it's a low bar. Not better than Case Keenum was on Sunday, <laughs> coincidentally, but um, better than he was for the Broncos for sure. You saw the, some flashes of the fact that he can make difficult throws. Case Keenum never had a 100 rating in a, in a single game for the Broncos, did he? <laughs> nice. I mean, nice. his best game, I'm pretty sure, was week one, and he threw three touchdowns, three interceptions. Yeah, yep. so literally yesterday, in terms of efficiency, Joe Flacco was better than Case Keenum ever was. Wow. Except now, for again, it Case was, Keenum on Sunday. <laughs> it was boosted by the fourth quarter, but still, Joe Flacco is an upgrade. He's not getting you to elite from the play from the position, but he is an upgrade. If Drew Locke was healthy, there would have been calls for him last oh, night. Oh, absolutely. Still. Yes, there would have been. Ab- absolutely. My uh, – Cortland Sutton, obviously, the guy that stole the show from the Broncos. I'll go defense. Mentioned him last night, Kareem Jackson. Um, not, not just versatility, but he had, he had the series where he made every single play uh, to keep the Broncos in the game. And who do I think has a big game or flashes? I'll go Bradley Chubb. I, I think there's a very clear way to neutralize Von Miller and Bradley Chubb. And the Broncos haven't showed that they're willing to counteract that yet. For some reason, though, I just don't feel like Matt Nagy and Mitchell Trubisky are going to use that formula. I don't think they're going to. And I think the Broncos will have success getting to the quarterback when they did not have that at all last night. Yeah, it's kind of funny. You look back at last season and Derek Carr did what he did in week two. Then the Broncos went and played Patrick Mahomes, who was like lighting the world on fire. (laughs) And the defense actually looked better right. in that game because Andy Reid isn't going to look at what you are doing and say, oh, let's change what we do to beat what they do. Right. He says, no, my offense is the GOAT and I can do whatever I want. And it actually gave Von Miller and Bradley Chubb and all those guys a chance to create more pressure. And the difference is, and you're 100% right, the difference is Andy Reid has the GOAT. Matt Nagy has a GOAT. I don't know. He has uh, a Tar Heel. <laughs> Which they actually use uh, a ram? Is that what that is as their mascot? Yes, name Ramesses. <laughs> so close. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think it goes back to like something in the 1920s. Some sports writer said that the football team looked like a bunch of battering rams. Mm. Something of that nature. I love it's, when it, it's stuff c- comes from sports writers. Kind <laughs> of how Alabama got an elephant for the Crimson Tide. Oh, how did that one happen? I think it was the same thing. Herd of elephants. <laughs> Something like that. By the way, I think Philip Lindsay could have a nice game on Sunday, but I just went in pro football reference while you guys were talking because I wanted to say, okay, how many players have gone against the Bears and averaged more than four yards per carry with a minimum of 10 attempts in the last season plus? Two guys. Jamal Williams for the Packers last uh, December Kenyon Drake for the Dolphins last October. They're the only ones who've averaged more than four yards a carry, minimum 10 attempts against the Chicago defense. Running against them is going to be some tough sledding. And here's the thing. Just keep this in mind for the Broncos offense. You don't need to run the ball successfully to run play action successfully. You need to make them take the threat seriously. Yes, exactly. Make them think you're going to do it. They don't even have to think you're going to do it well. They just have to think that you're going to run it. Uh, So just keep that in mind. All right, last one here is from Mile High Hitman. He says, despite a horrid game, great post-game articles and pod. You know what? I tweeted this. 
I'm really proud of the way our post-game coverage came out. Like, mm-hmm. uh, it, it, we had four articles and a podcast up while probably a lot of you guys were sleeping, but when you woke up this morning, you had a smorgasbord <laughs> of content to dive into. And, and I, I really – I think it's a, maybe one of the best things that we've done since we got this group together. Like, we just dominated that. Yeah, I would stack our coverage up against – anybody's in the market and outside as the best. I, I don't want to pick on competition, but when I saw Mark Kisla. Oh, wow. You are, a, just, I don't want to pick on competition, but go but ahead. But he's writing about basically truth. all the team needs to tank for Tua at this point. It's like, yeah. whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa. That, that's, that's just hot take yeah. stuff. Yeah. I, I like Mark, uh, yeah. but – it's too early to, to do that because what are you going to write in week six if they're 0-6? And, <laughs> and then week 16. <laughs> well, if they're 0-6, that means we're counting the weeks until also Drew Lockmas, yes. which would be probably the Cleveland game, I imagine. I, uh, I, don't, I don't believe in tank for Tua. You I don't, don't believe they're going to, ta- they're well, going not, to not, draft not, Tua I, anyway. I just, yeah, I just I'm not a uh, I'm not a Tua to the NFL like guaranteed Andrew Luck type talent. What Andrew what? Luck? Sorry, I like Jake Fromm. Not as even long, that sold on him either. Can, or Herbert. Can we agree on this? Yeah, as, as long as it's not like just lose for Justin or something. No, it's oh. hasta la vista for la visca. <laughs> oh, speaking of him. Whoa. Speaking of him, I think last week I threw out the number. I was like. Ryan, are you concerned about him? You're like, no, 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 he'll turn around against Nebraska. And I said, what if he goes out and has three catches for 35 yards against Nebraska? And you said, I don't remember what you said. I got to go back and find out what you said. You said something like, that'll never happen or something. Five catches, 31 yards. Yeah, uh, he's hurt. Yeah, what was going on? I just saw every time he got tackled, he was I think it's like Demarius Thomas disorder where every time you get hit, you get hit by the entire team, and it hurts a lot. Um, his very like I think it was his second catch he got tackled and like landed directly on the shoulder that he had surgically repaired this offseason and he was clearly in pain so if I were the buffs if if I were Mel Tucker I I would honestly not as I'm looking not that I'm looking past Air Force but I would probably sit down uh, LaVisca just because I'm saying like we need him for this game we also need him for the entire rest of the season gotta give him a day even if they were playing not Nebraska. If they were playing anyone but Nebraska or CSU, no, they could probably get away with CSU. If they're playing anyone but Nebraska this week, I would say the same thing. You heard that, 702 pilot. Ryan is looking past Air no, Force. No, I'm deathly, <laughs> deathly afraid of Air Force. Uh, I, I like far more afraid of Air Force than I was of Nebraska. Far. It's a scheme. Yeah, exactly. Triple option. Preparing for them on one week, it's always tough. Yeah, well, they've, Look, been, putting, they've been practicing this since the spring, actually, but still. They've, CU's been practicing the triple option against triple options in spring. Yes. You know what? That's some good coaching by Mel Tucker. Because oh, God. usually what happens is you end up just preparing for it that week and you get caught off guard. Michigan didn't look like it knew what it was, do, was doing against Army at times last week. Another triple option. It is such a difficult thing to defend. Um, but, man, I was up there in Boulder today at Mel Tucker's press conference. That guy is so freaking impressive. Everything he says is just incredible. He's got the swag going. He also had an amazing um, analogy. Like he's not, uh, he, he didn't really strike me as an analogy guy, but he dropped an analogy today, which was 
he was asked about like how the scout, how he gets the scout team to be so all in on like running this thing. Cause it's not like, you know, out here where they just show him the play and it's the quarterback and he's just doing what he does. You know, he throws the pass. The scout team has to like learn how to run a triple option offense this week. And Mel said something along the lines of, look, a football team is like a Broadway show. There might be a guy whose role is just to walk on the stage. He doesn't have any lines, but he's, his job is just to sweep the stage in the background. And, and that's his role. And if he doesn't do it, the show's not right. And that's, that's what we're asking of, of the scout team. They, those guys have to go out and do, and they have to sweep that stage to the best of their abilities. It's very mm-hmm. Belichickian. Mm-hmm. Do your job. And again, no surprise since he's been around Nick Saban at multiple stops and a lot of what he's doing kind of comes from that common Saban Belichick tree. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I am going to. And it's a question for you, Mr. CU enthusiast, Ryan Konigsberg. Mm-hmm. If Mel Tucker succeeds in Boulder, does the NFL come calling? Why the NFL? And why not a bigger college I program? Think because SEC... he's coached in the NFL and he's had the taste of being an interim head coach in the NFL. I don't know if he wants to go back to the NFL just based on my conversations with him. Okay. I do think the SEC will come calling. Yeah. They had, Tennessee had a chance. They decided to go for Jeremy Pruitt over Mel Tucker. It's not working out very well. Yeah, they're 0-2. Mm. Buffs are 2-0 and with some incredible halftime adjustments leading them to victory. <laughs> burr, 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 burr. Halftime Got adjustments. Got a buzz beater. Got a buzzer beater. Buzzer beater coming in from Sunny Rain says, I would love nothing more than to take the positive approach to this loss. Wax poetic about the newness of this position um, or that coach, etc. But I'm sorry, I can't. What I saw was a low-energy effort that bordered on apathy. While I expected the Raiders to give their best effort, given that this was the final Monday night game in Oakland, I didn't see our team being willing participants in sending fans home happy. I didn't expect our team to look like it was somehow less talented or less prepared. And through it all, what blew me away was Fangio's demeanor on the sideline. He just looked like he was painting pain to be there. He was often doubled over and I began to wonder if something physical was going on. He just looked worn out. When a team sees that from his head coach, it can't be good. Vic needs the booth, I think. It's going to be a long, difficult season. We never did find out if you passed that kidney stone or not. <laughs> um, the booth. I knew the booth was going to come up today. I didn't realize it would take a buzzer beater to bring it up. <laughs> but I can't help but hearken back to all of our conversations about the booth. I know it's unorthodox. I know it's unprecedented. But everything is unorthodox until somebody actually does it. There was a time when it was an issue of coaches wearing a headset. It was a big deal when the 49ers won Super Bowl 16 because it meant that they became the first team with a coach wearing a headset on the sideline to win a Super Bowl. And then it started happening over and over and over again. It always seems weird until it happens and it succeeds. And then all of a sudden it becomes routine. So, But right now it's just, oh, well, you can't go to the booth because it's the way it's always been. The coach has always been on the sideline. Well, just because it's the way it's always been doesn't mean it's the way you have to do it. I completely and utterly agree. And, and not only do I not think it's weird to do it, I actually think it's weird to not do it. Mm-hmm. It's like taking Kyler Murray and putting him under center for every play of the game. It doesn't make sense. It's not what he does best. You take your coach who's amazing at calling defense 
from the booth and you put him on the sidelines, it makes no sense. Put him in the booth. And he makes adjustments based on what he sees from up top. That's one of the things that Vic Fangio did very well at every stop as a defensive coordinator, be able to see things from up high and adjust on the fly. You find the proper person on the sideline to relay what you want. I do wonder if this team gets off to a poor start beyond just being 0-1, if they're 1-3, 1-4, something like that, whether Vic might not say, I'm going back upstairs. Well, I was going to Just say, to there, change it up. I was going to say, are there any conversations this week? It should be. It sh- absolutely should be, because not just that, but game management, everything. What did Vic do on the sideline that the team gained from? Hey, he fired him up, right? Oh, Sure he, did not. Did, he didn't do that. I don't know. I don't think there's any, there's anything to be gained from him, him being down there. It's just as easy for him to yell down through his headset, hey, call a timeout. It's just as easy for him to say, hey, we're going forward on fourth down. Like All of those things that a coach does, they have the technology to do that now. There's no reason he should be down there. It's, it's, it's like chopping someone's leg off and asking him to go play running back. If, I were, if I were in his <laughs> shoes, I'd want to be up top. You can see things so much better no from one, there. And, and, and the funny thing is like, this it's always been this way to style thing it almost seems like a reaction to like i don't know like media or something i think everyone in the media would praise this decision if the broncos did it the nfl is very risk averse and there is a herd mentality and very much people in the nfl seem to exist in the thought pattern of this is the way it's always been it's the way it's going to remain Somebody has to break through that, that glass wall. And you know what? The first person through is always going to get their nose bloodied a bit, but sometimes they're the one that's reaping the rewards because they went through first. Yeah, and here's the thing. We know it works. We, we know it's good when he's up in the booth. It's, it's not like we're just overreacting to his defense giving up 24 points to, uh, um, to, to Gruden and, and Carr. No, we know it's good. And we've been saying it from day one yeah. that he should be up there. What? I mean, is, are the TV networks going to be upset because they don't have the sideline shot? They'll have to have that shot of him, that distant shot of him in the booth? Well, who freaking cares? No, they're going to actually love it because they're going to like – show Mike Munchak on the sideline, and they get to tell this whole story about Mike Munchak's in charge of throwing the challenge flag, but he gets the call from Vic Fangio. <laughs> and that's the another thing. You have a former head coach who could handle that sort of role, that administrative duty. Yep. Yep. Really interesting to follow. I know Vic Fangio completely shot it down already, but desperate times, desperate measures. You're not I just desperate hope they don't after, wait too long. Yeah, you're not desperate after one loss. Okay, huh? let's all step back from the legs a little bit in the eight – you know, rules for the season. I said, don't get too up or too down about this one game. I'm standing by that. Let's see how they try to fix things for Sunday. Well, guys, speaking of desperate, the Broncos are already desperate. They're already chasing every single team in the AFC West. And let's look at those games in the AFC West. And let's, you have a big smile on your face, Ryan. So I just want to get it out of the way. I just want to get this one out of the way. The Chargers (laughs) hosted the Colts. Colts, we're a six-and-a-half-point underdog. You both took the Colts. I took the Chargers, and boy, does that half-point hurt. Oh, uh, yeah, that, that was amazing <laughs> because I saw it go to overtime, and I thought to myself, oh, you there's won. no way I could lose. You won. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I mean, and the, the, the Chargers had this game until they just, just let the Colts come back 
and, and force overtime. Well, Jacoby Brissett looked a lot better operating in the pocket than he did when he started back in the 2017 season. I had the Colts with 13 wins before Andrew Luck's retirement. I have them taking a three-win hit, but this is still a 10-6 and six team. It's still fundamentally a very good team. Marlon Mack came up huge. USF, hey, USF got dogged earlier in the podcast. Got to stick up for my bull Mar- Marlon Mack, who's incredibly vital to that Colts offense right now. It's a fundamentally sound team that will be unspectacular, but will win 10 games. Man, doesn't look like they're missing Melvin Gordon. Austin Eckler was a beast. Yeah. Those Colorado boys, Austin yep. Eckler, Christian McCaffrey. Yep. Phil, not as much, but we know he's a beast in his own right. Christian McCaffrey got me like 40-something fantasy points. He's wonder, beast. I wonder if Norv Turner, the Panthers' offensive coordinator, has Christian McCaffrey on his fantasy team. <laughs> feeding him like mad. I know. they got to be careful with that. They really are. So you guys yes. got that one. Uh, by half a point, you guys got me. And then uh, we were we were right about the Kansas City Chiefs going into Jacksonville. I can't believe they were only a four-point favorite. I can't either. I know they're on the Free road, money. but Jacksonville was dreadful. And I think even if Nick Foles had been healthy, the Chiefs still win by at least seven points. It's actually stupid how often Andy Reid schemes receivers wide open. Like, I've, I haven't seen the Broncos scheme a receiver wide open in three years. Well, let's pick your poison. That's the problem. Right, but, but it's just like every time they get the – all it takes is the protection. Like, if, if Mahomes gets two and a half seconds, someone's wide open. You know what's crazy is I was, I was tuned in to what was going on on Sunday. I didn't realize how good of a game statistically Patrick Mahomes had because everyone's just numb to it now. Everyone's everyone's numb to what he's going to do. When everyone was raving about Gardner Minshew from that game, and that's yep. that the story quarterback wise was Gardner Minshew coming out and completing more consecutive passes to start his career than any quarterback in twenty eight years. But Mahomes, he makes the amazing seem routine at this point. And the amazing was three hundred and seventy eight passing yards, three touchdowns, no picks, a hundred and forty three passer rate. Yeah. Also missed the touchdown pass because he was trying to throw a no look pass, which is <laughs> so dumb. Like that's actually reading your own press clippings right there. Like and Sammy Watkins, two hundred yards, three touchdowns. He won't do that every week, but that's a huge step forward for him and for that offense if Sammy Watkins Especially with Tyreek Hill having an injury now, Sammy Watkins can be the wide receiver one out there. Poor Tyreek Hill. Couldn't happen to a better guy. <laughs> yeah. what, what, any concern about the Chiefs' defense, though? I mean, you, you mentioned what Gardner Minshew was able to do, and they were able to put up 26. It's a mess on the back seven. The front four can get pressure with Chris Jones and Frank Clark. The linebackers are slow. The defensive backs, with Tyron Matthew, just okay. Work in progress there. I think they can improve a little bit, but – Kansas City is still going to be playing a lot of games like this. Their defense got chopped and minched. Oh. oh. Wow. And then, of course, to round the week out, Raiders at Broncos. We had Raiders at Broncos at two-and-a-half-point favorites, and we pretty much lose 10 points to that. So what uh, What are the records? Um, you uh, would both be uh, – Two and two? Two uh, – no, three. You, you won everything but the Broncos, right? Yes. So you're three and one because we also all won Monday night, and I'm two and two. Or so Thursday night. Thursday night. Thursday night. Yes. Right. Yep. Uh, and don't forget your Browns zero and one, my Bills one and zero, and let's also not forget my Cardinals zero and one. With a great comeback though. 
That was fun. It was fun. It was. I mean, I actually fell asleep during the first half. That's how boring their offense was. It was terrible. Mister forty-one yards in the first half and a pick, right? Yep. And then he ended up putting almost thirty fantasy points up for me. Uh, I said that Kyler Murray was going to be the fourth quarter Blake Bortles king in fantasy That's why this I got year, him. and instead he ends up actually getting a halfway positive result out of this game rather than just garbage time type stuff. By the way, that throw to Fitz in overtime, my. God. Oh, so beautiful. You cannot do the the, the back shoulder. But even like the, you can't do that any better. Even though the two point conversion to Christian Kirk, that one was perfectly thrown. And that was the number one thing that I loved about Kyler so much is the accuracy. Like same play almost, just going different ways. Joe Flacco throws it behind Deshaun Hamilton. He starts flailing around. <laughs> He's got the ball in one hand, and they lose three yards. And the other thing, we talked about the energy, not seeing the energy from the Broncos. I love watching him, even when he's not in the game, watching him on the sidelines. He's bouncing around. Did you see how Tremaine he reacted Brock. when Tremaine Brock, Brock <laughs> dropped the pick? Tremaine Brock, bro, oh. what are you doing? Why are you thinking about six? All you yeah. have to do is secure it, and you have a chance to kick the field goal for the win. <laughs> Brock had actually done some things right in that game, and then after that play, I texted Ryan Edwards and Steve Atwater and said, there's the Tremaine Brock we know and love. <laughs> uh, he also got completely lost in the coverage and gave up a touchdown. How about this game, guys? Next week, you have the Cardinals going into Baltimore to play the Ravens. Wow. That could be that, that could be a terrible game. I don't know. Baltimore could 59 to 10 them. Or it could be a, a, a super out. electric Holy game with Lamar Jackson and Kyler Murray. That's a top three swag matchup at quarterback mm-hmm. this year. Lamar mm-hmm. Jackson dropping the not bad mm-hmm. for a running back, huh? <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. That's pretty it good. It is. <laughs> Are we going to uh, – oh, wait. Never mind. Never mind. No it's, no, no Tuesday night football picks <laughs> Any yet. action on tonight? Let's, <laughs> let's keep it rolling. I'm, I'm addicted. You know what's wild? It, I can almost convince myself we've made it to week two. We're only 48 hours away from the next football game. From Thursday night football. Yep. All right. I like that. And I think everyone should take that mindset. Maybe tomorrow we'll move on from whatever happened last night. Uh, but for now – I think that's going to wrap it up for us on the BSN Broncos podcast. Mace, good to have you back. All of you, thanks for tuning in. And we'll be back, like I said, tomorrow on the BSN Broncos podcast. Green Mountain Dental has a long-standing tradition of being one of Lakewood's best family dental care offices. Um, I have been 
a patient since I was three, which is in 1974. You know, my parents, myself, and now my children all go there. It's just a great place to be, very positive experience with them, definitely. New patients can receive free teeth whitening trays when they schedule a cleaning, x-ray, and exam. Also, all colored sport mouth guards start at just $25. The doctors will come out and visit with you, um, ask you how your family is doing. You know, just very friendly and family oriented. It's just very comfortable to, to be there. That's GreenMountainDentalGroup.com.